1: And welcome to it. It's a Monday evening, 630. At 632, it is that time for the Employment Law Show. Alex Luchaferro, partner Sanfiru Tamarcon LLP, is here once again, ready to take all of your phone calls on the phone lines. You have questions about your job, maybe calling on behalf of someone else. Maybe you're an employer and you're worried about, uh, you know, your job, temporary layoff, vaccine status, all that stuff as it moves forward. Call us now. Ask your question. Get some answers. There's always other people wondering the same things by the thousands, right? So you're doing everybody a a good turn by picking up the phone, 416-870-6400. If you don't want to do that, email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And when the show is done, anytime, alex got a great team with them as well. They can answer your calls uh, ahead of time Now uh, 1-855-821-5900. And uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca, same email as well. So we'll get into it here. We're going to get to the rights of older employees, that, and if we have some time later on between the calls, some emails in just a bit. But we always start with the case of the day. Alex, what do you got going on for a Monday?
2: Hey, Johnny, thanks very much. Uh, Always great to be here, real pleasure. And uh, as you said, we're live on the air until 7 to answer any questions our callers have about employment law, about workplace rights, really anything and everything to do with your job. If you have questions about your rights this is the time this is the place we're ready to talk ready to take uh any questions you have about what's going on uh, in your workplace you know we say it time and again john but it always rings true everyone needs to know about their workplace rights it's so extremely important we spend the majority of our time working and listen it's quite common that despite everybody's best efforts conflicts arise, disputes between employers and employees arrive, uh, dispu- disputes between employees themselves arise. And you want to know as an employer or as an employee how to handle those situations. Uh, and you know, it, it should be said, our laws in Canada when it comes to employment law are actually quite straightforward. They're quite robust. But the law can't help you if you don't know what the law is. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to inform people on what their rights are and help people resolve those workplace rob- problems. So Uh, As you said, let's get the week started off right, John. Let's talk about the case of the day. It's an opportunity to talk about a matter that came across my desk today that I think provides a good lesson for us all. Uh, Spoke to a very nice uh, younger gentleman this afternoon, uh, John. He was in his early 30s, had been with the same employer for about five years, and unfortunately, very recently, just late last week, was let go from his job. And he was offered a severance package, and he wanted to know whether the severance package was reasonable or not. These kinds of conversations we have all the time. John, it's the bread and butter of our work discussing severance packages, whether a severance offer is reasonable or not. And so, again, this gentleman was in his early 30s. Uh, John, he was working in sales uh, for a pretty specialized uh, company. And again, he had been with the company for about five years. He was offered on termination three months of severance. And the question he had was, is that the right amount of severance for somebody in my situation? And so what I told him is, well, actually, it's a little short. Uh, given your five years of service, your age and your position, you're probably looking at something in the five to six month range. Not weeks, John, as you very well uh, know, five or six months of severance, yeah. even though he's young and in early 30, is in, early, in his early 30s. He's a five-year employee in a sales position. He's going to be looking at about five or six months of severance. And here's where it got really interesting. Uh, John because I then asked them, "Well, hold on, what are your earnings? How are we calculating your severance here?" And he told me, "Well, I'm actually uh, receiving both a base salary that's quite low, but I earn a lot of commissions, and actually my pay is actually really, really good. I earn six figures because my commissions are actually very strong." Right And I said, "Well, hold on a sec, your termination offer here of three months is only based on base salary. And that is a huge flag and a huge problem because mm-hmm. when we're talking about severance, we should be talking about all components of an employee's compensation package. So if you are an employee that, that earns overtime pay or standby pay or commissions or bonus, make sure that when you are reviewing your severance package, those components of your compensation are included. So the moral of the story here with this gentleman is, well, not only was this severance a couple of months short, John, but it actually turns out, it was tens and tens of thousands of dollars short because they didn't include his commission payments. Right, And so this became a situation where you know he might have otherwise been owed maybe an extra $10,000 or so, which listen, don't get me wrong, John. It's a lot of money for anyone. But it actually turned out this guy's looking at about $60,000 in additional compensation because of the difference between his base salary and the and his commission payments when you include that as part of the calculation of his severance. That can make a huge, huge difference in anyone's life, uh, uh, John. And of course, of course, these are the important factors that we discuss when we're reviewing a severance package. This gentleman had no idea the commissions should have been included in a severance package. Now he knows, and we're going to be pursuing the proper severance amount for him based on his full severance period. But not only that, also based on his full compensation package, including his commission's, and it's going to be a surprise for the employer here how much this gentleman is actually owed.
1: Again, worth that phone call. How about that? one 821 5900 That's what can happen. So simple, help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. But here and now, 416-870-6400. Bob, thank you so much for standing by for a moment. Uh, what's your question? Hi. I
3: just wanted to go over like my workers' rights as a co-op student when I'm attending the workplace. And cool. um, basically, what would I do if I were to get injured in the workplace, like would be held responsible for that?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting uh, question. So I believe even for co-op students, um, there is uh, the WSIB, the work- uh, Workplace Safety and Insurance Board in Ontario that effectively provides for subsidized insurance coverage for employees that are injured at work. Now, there are certain qualifications that you need to, to uh, as an employer to qualify for WSIB. You need to be a certain size, and sometimes you can opt out of WSIB coverage. But Bob, I believe that student, students that are un, on unpaid co-ops uh, should be eligible uh, for WSIB. And, then, and so that is step number one. Uh, and again, it's the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board, make a note of it. If you have been injured at work, you may be entitled to insurance coverage as a result of that injury. Um, And so Um, speak to your your co-op about that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I did go over to the WSIB, and they kind of did confirm that it was an injury and everything else. It was just, I'm kind of confused because the company kind of classifies me as like a, full-time employee, like an apprentice type. Uh, and I worked there for a number of months. I got, well, 55 days, Mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't really, had no, they had no communication with my co-op department. So I'm just wondering, like, because as of right now, the WSIB sees me as like a full-time employee rather than like a co-op student. Okay, And they're saying that I don't really have to deal with the school, just deal with the WSIB uh, primarily. Yeah. So I'm just kind of confused over like the classification when you're hired on.
2: Yeah, fair enough. But I think I think you'd end up in the same place, uh, Bob, one way or the other. So even if you were considered a co-op student, you'd still end up having to deal with WSIB and the same thing as an employee. And so either way, for better or worse, and listen, there are some. Uh, there are certainly some positives to dealing with the WSIB and receiving workers' compensation. There are some negatives as well. It needs to. It needs to be said. Uh, but either way, a workplace injury is almost always covered by the WSIB. Uh, if you have to go on a medical leave, if you are currently unable to work, uh, then as long as you have a doctor's note from your doctor confirming so, or even if you need some accommodations in the workplace. Uh, Bob. That you can deal directly with your employer, uh, but well, anything was, WSIB related has to be dealt with directly with WSIB.
3: Well, there's just some confusion over like the extent of my injuries because I'm still not sure about like the extent of my injuries and like with the communication with the workplace, they're kind of withholding like information on how to like actually deal with my injuries, I guess. So. I'm kind of confused as to that. And as far as like the communication between the school and the workplace, uh, they did have like some work authorization forms, but then they informed me that the workplace kind of just ignored it. So they can't really deal with any like concerns over injuries or anything pertaining to like a third party. Mm-hmm. So just,
1: Oh, we lost uh, We lost him. But uh, Alex, what do you think about the last comment? A lot of that's going to have to do with his doctor, right, as far as confusion about the injury? That's what That's what it...
2: Yeah, listen, uh, an employee in a situation like that, and I feel for Bob because it's a very difficult situation, and, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, Bob, feel free to contact our office. Happy to have a conversation with you off air to get into more details. You're absolutely right, uh, John, in the sense that... Uh, as an employee in that situation, if you've been injured at work or if you've been injured even outside of work and you're having to take a medical leave of absence or you're needing accommodation, so you have some limitations in doing your work, your doctor is both your shield and your sword. It's your doctor that has to support you in advising your employer and advising WSIB, for that matter, what you can and cannot do, what your physical limitations uh, are. Your doctor should be your champion in that respect. Uh, and your employer has to follow those rules effectively, yeah. uh, John. They have to do yeah. what your doctor is uh, is telling them to. As far as the WSIB goes, again, I, I think that there are a lot of advantages to the WSIB. I know lots of people who have been injured at work and receive workers' compensation and are treated very fairly in that respect. It is a red tape heavy organization like many are john and that oftentimes leads to delay it often lie time uh, leads to files getting stagnant and people not getting the help that they need in time and not being able to pay the bills in the meantime which is obviously problematic so i wish bob all the best and it's it's going to be a bit of a struggle i'm sure but i'm sure they make it they'll make it through
1: bob again uh, reaching out we're done here for now you can uh, have a further conversation with alex and the team one eight five five eight two one 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. A couple minutes before you break, want to get into our topic, at least uh, dust it off and get into it. Rights of older employees in an aging workforce. You bet. The baby boomers are getting up there and the generation behind them. That's me, but that's for a different day. Uh, number one, can an employer, Alex, fire an older employee because of their age? Or can they do it any longer?
2: Yeah, nice nice slow pitch straight down the middle for me, uh, yeah, John. Yeah. I hope our longtime listeners... Know this very well already, and the answer is absolutely not. You cannot fire any employee because of their age. That is discrimination under the Human Rights Code. There is no mandatory retirement age in Ontario. You cannot fire or terminate somebody or force them to resign because they've reached 65 or 70 or any other age for that matter. Again, doing so would put an employer in violation of the uh, ontario human rights code not only would you owe that employee a significant amount of severance we'll right. certainly get into severance for older employees in a sec uh, but you would also then owe that employee significant damages for violating their human rights age is a protected ground under our human rights legislation so no you cannot terminate somebody because of their age
1: We will continue that discussion after a wee break, which we'll get into now. In the meantime, make like Bob. Make that phone call, 416-870-6400. You still have plenty of time to ask your questions. Bring it on. That's why we're here. Four nights a week, well, five, including Saturdays. So bring it on, 416-870-6400, Monday night edition. The Employment Law Show rolls on. Stand by.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. Here we go. 647. Still some time. Yeah. 416-870-6400. That is the way you want to call through with the remaining minutes. Talk to Alex with your questions, anything under that uh, employment law banner you've been wondering about. Do not hesitate. Call now. Well, you still have time on a Monday night, 416-870-6400, talking about the aging workforce and employees uh, that uh, qualify for that as well. Now, we just learned that you just don't outright fire an older employee because they're getting up in age. That's a a big no-no, big bull of wrong as we like to refer to, but an older employee, say, Alex, is starting to become a little less productive, starting to slow down a bit. Can an employer suggest that that person may resign? They may be more comfortable at home if they resigned.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's that's appropriate either, John. Quite <laughs> uh, quite frankly, if you're suggesting an employee resign, again, because of their age, I mean, you're, you're in the same bucket uh, uh, as uh, an employer that decides to fire an employee mm-hmm. because of their age—that's potentially discrimination. You're just asking that employee to walk out the door themselves rather than terminate them. I, I think that's the same side—that's you know the, the other side of the same uh, coin. And so, listen—if an employee is becoming less productive in the workplace, and it's perhaps because of their age, you know, I can understand how as a you know an employer that might be a difficult situation to deal with. But you have to understand as an employer. Uh, that employees have rights and have certain protections in the workplace. And this is one of them because, again, if that employee is being less productive because of their age, it's effectively a physical limitation, uh, John. And again, employees need accommodation in a situation uh, like that. You cannot punish an employee because they are physically or even, dare I say, cognitively limited in their ability to work because of their age. Now, an employee in that circumstance is so let's say you are an, an older employee, and your job is a physical one, and you're beginning to struggle at work. You can't do you, what you once you what you were once able to do physically, and you're start starting to have difficulties in that respect. My suggestion to you as an employee is go get yourself a doctor's note. Again, going back to our discussion with Bob, your doctor in a situation like this where you have physical limitations or even. Again, cognitive limitations in your work. Your doctor is both your, your sword and your shield. Get a medical note from your doctor saying this employee needs more frequent breaks or this employee can't do the same level uh, or quantity of work as they previously did. Hand that note over to your employer. That is going to be an accommodation. Your employer can't fire you because you require that kind of accommodation in the workplace. They cannot punish you or treat you differently. They have to play ball. Don't let your employer take that drastic step of punishing you or reprimanding you because your work is slowing down. If you're an older employee in that situation, get the doctor's note, request the accommodations, Mm -hmm. and that will protect you in your employment moving forward.
1: Let's get a call. got uh, Mary standing by. Hi, Mary. Good evening. How are you? Uh, Good evening. Great. What's on your mind?
4: Okay. So I've been working in a restaurant for over 30 years. I'm over 50 years old and got a notice that my restaurant will be closing in eight weeks. And the owner of the restaurant, it's franchise. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's franchise restaurant by like well-known chain in 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 Canada, and the owner of the restaurant is saying that we are not entitled to severance. <laughs> okay. So who will pay the severance? Is it the owner of the or the franchise or the corporation?
2: Who do you know? Who your employer is, uh, Mary? So on your pay stub, is it the uh, the franchisee, or are you actually employed by uh, by the franchise? It's individual.
4: It's the individual owner.
2: It's the individual owner. So they are your employer, uh, yes. Mary, and they're going to be the ones that uh, that are ultimately responsible for your severance entitlements. My apologies. I got cut off for a sec. I might have missed a portion of uh, of your explanation. My understanding was you're. Uh, you're over 50 years old you've been working for this restaurant for 30 years which is just incredible credit to you Mary we uh, as employment lawyers i speak to people every day in the workforce it's rare uh, it's become more and more rare nowadays to see employees with 30 plus years of service so credit mm-hmm. credit to you for for that you've been given 8 weeks of notice is That's that crazy. it have you been offered any kind of additional severance
4: no the the owner of the restaurant is saying that nobody is going to be getting any uh severance from uh, from him like at no. all because he says like we're not entitled because we got eight weeks notice
2: okay you you and i or or you and a member of our team, Mary, need to have a conversation off air because that is just simply not true uh oh, okay. undoubtedly as an employee and particularly as a thirty year employee, your severance entitlements are much much more significant. Uh, than just eight weeks. Okay. What your employer is referring to is the minimum amount of notice that he has to provide under the Employment Standards Act. Uh-huh. That is only a small fraction of your full severance entitlements. As a thirty-year employee, Mary, you might be owed as much as twenty-four months. Twenty-four of months. Okay. Okay. Uh, now it might, you know, it might be something in that range. That is the maximum that you might be owed. But as again, as a thirty-year employee, you're going to be in that range. What is the maximum
4: that we can um, that's available?
2: The maximum available would be twenty four months for somebody twenty four months. Years okay. A- absolutely.
4: So, uh, but our employer is saying that he has uh, under fifty employees and his, his payroll is less than two point five yeah, no, it doesn't
1: mm-hmm.
2: misconception. And again, as yeah. many of our listeners will know, Mary, misconceptions and misclassifications what he is telling you. And this might be just a, a simple misunderstanding. He might not know the, lay, the way the law works. He probably doesn't know the I way the law works. I think he's just trying to
4: get away with he thinks And that's certainly
2: know. possible as well. I'm trying to give him the right. benefit of the doubt, but he might be just trying to pay as little as possible. The size of the company, Mary, I can tell you, definitively has nothing to do with the severance that you're owed.
4: So how should I proceed with it? How do I approach that thing? Where do I apply for the severance?
2: Well, listen. I think the first step is you need to have a conversation uh, in private, Mary, about uh, what your exact entitlements are, about you know the options you have in pursuing your seventh entitlements. I'd suggest, listen, give us a call at the office. Let's have okay. a chat uh, off air based on your age, position, you and have, years of service. Do you have a half an
4: hour uh, free consultation?
2: We do. Uh, okay, almost perfect. always we're able to offer free consultation. So certainly the, this is a situation where we can facilitate that. Okay. John will give you the number before you sign anything, Mary, before you even tell your employer about this particular conversation. Let's have a chat offline. That's let's the process figure out what, what your be best started.
4: options are. The process has to be started before we uh, before the restaurant closes or can be after.
2: Not necessarily, it might be better to to start the process sooner than uh, later. The sooner you get it started, the sooner we can get it resolved, uh, but there 's no particular rush. Your entitlements okay. don 't change the day the restaurant closes.
4: okay, sounds great
1: Mary, that number i 'm going to give you now, and i 'll repeat it throughout the rest of the show, so uh, don 't worry about that one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred again one eight five five. Eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach Alex and the team. Do so. Do not hesitate to have that uh, that conversation. Help at employment lawyer. is the uh, the email as well. So there you go. Always very common. Very common. Eight weeks went to the uh, you know following the ESA uh, playbook to a T. I have a, I have a family member that's going through this as well, and they uh, a doctor and just extended her working notice to eight weeks, and I know why he did that. Fewer than you know. Not many employees and 2.5 million, yada, yada, yada. But she's been there for 33 years. So very similar to what Mary was talking about, right?
2: It's incredible, John. I mean, we, you know, I've been doing this for so long. And of course, Lior, the entire team, like I said, we speak to people every single day. I mean, it's amazing the amount of misinformation and, and you know, that this kind of stuff just gets repeated and repeated and repeated in every workplace. Uh, you, know, as, you know, as everybody just uh, heard, Uh, An employee's uh, entitlements aren't limited to some bare bones one or two weeks per year of service or uh, Mm -hmm. eight weeks, uh, as this employer was suggesting in this kind of case. Almost always an employee's severance entitlements are going to be months and months and months. And of course, the older you are, the longer you've been with the same company, the more specialized, the more senior your position is, the more severance you're going to get. And again, as we saw with Mary, your severance entitlements could be as much as 24 months. That's two years of pay, when an employee instead of receiving an offer in that range is offered only eight weeks, John, it's just shocking uh, how an employer can be so negligent in its responsibilities to its to its employees.
1: We get to one more point here uh, tonight, next uh, last minute in the, the show, and that is uh, when it deals with aging employees. Should an employee talk to their employer then if they find they're struggling at their job?
2: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I, I actually think. A general principle in the workplace, John, is that the more communication you have between an employer and employee, the better off you are, both as an employer and as a manager of a company, and as an employee. Uh, and so, again, going back to you know my comments about getting a doctor's note, you know, if you're an employee and you're struggling at work for whatever reason, and maybe that's a result of you know you getting up there in age and not being able to do the things you once, uh, you know, were able to do, have that conversation with your employer. But again, I think you need the support, and I would recommend certainly that you need the support of a doctor's note in response. Without the doctor's note, Mm -hmm. you cannot trigger that obligation to accommodate on the part of the employer. It's just really your word against the employer's. Your doctor is effectively your expert witness, so to speak, your expert evidence in a situation like that. And again, if you do that, your employer has to play ball. If you're just having the conversation of, hey, I'm not doing so hot, that's not enough evidence. That's not enough uh, support for your claim for accommodation in the workplace.
1: Done. Back tomorrow, 6.30. Alex Awesome, as always, to reach out now, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 email option is help at employmentlawyer.ca. The website for you anytime at all. Free anonymous pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you tomorrow night, 6.30, on the Employment Law Show.